Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a series of programs on the subject of forgiveness, and today's program is a continuation of the previous broadcast. Now, in the previous broadcast, I was explaining 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17, where it says, And if Christ has not been risen, your faith is worthless, you are still in your sins. And I was explaining that if Jesus has not been resurrected from the dead, then you are still in your sins. And to also look at it from the point of view that you are no longer in your sins because Jesus has been raised from the dead. In other words, his resurrection is evidence to show you that you no longer are in your sins, that you are no longer in your sins. And if you are no longer in your sins, then he looks at you in a very different way. Your God now sees you in the midst of your sinfulness. He certainly sees you, but he sees you in such a way that he does not hold your sins against you anymore. He no longer holds your sins against you anymore Otherwise, his resurrection was meaningless, and your faith is worthless. Unfortunately, this is very difficult for people to grasp, because in many cases, people believe that the reason why they have faith is to help them to stop sinning. It is a means by which they can stop sinning, or that they can get the sin out of their lives. In other words, their life in Christ is about God holding their sins against them so that they are to now be inspired in some way, and there are many ways that people get inspired. People are to be inspired or encouraged or directed in order to stop sinning, to get all of the sin out of their life. But what I'm saying is something that's very different, and that is that he doesn't hold your sins against you at all anymore anyway. That the entire sin issue came to an end, and the evidence of that is that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. That was in response to the crucifixion. He died for the sins of the world. And because he died for the sins of the world, the sins of the world have been taken away. The Lord does not deal with people in this world anymore on the basis of their sins. He does not deal with us on the basis of our sins. You have been completely forgiven, whether you know it or not, whether you acknowledge it or not, whether you believe it or not, it doesn't matter. He did that on his own initiative, and he didn't ask you if you wanted to be forgiven. He just forgave you. That was an act that he performed. That was something that he did on his own behalf for himself and for you. But he didn't ask you to do that. He didn't ask you to approve of that. He just simply forgave you. He decided that he would no longer hold our sins against us. You know, when he died for the sins of the world, he actually died for the sins of the world. And I know that might sound a little bit odd, and the reason why it can sound odd is because there are many people who sincerely believe that only Christians are forgiven, that only people who believe in Jesus are forgiven. And I don't believe that that's the case. I believe that the entire world has been forgiven. 
Now, you have to be very careful with this because there are many people who believe that forgiveness is salvation, and I don't believe that. I believe that salvation is something else. I believe that forgiveness is necessary for salvation. It is absolutely necessary. However, I don't think that it is salvation. And I will explain this in just a minute. But before I do this, I want to emphasize the fact that the whole world has been forgiven. For example, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, this is 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, it is written, And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. Now, for John to make a distinction between those sins that we have committed and that have been forgiven, but also to speak of those sins that the rest of the people, those who are in the world, have committed, that those also have been forgiven, that says an awful lot. Here he says that he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for those of the world. You know, when we talk about people who are in the world, we're normally thinking about those who are not believers, those who are lost. And I believe that this is definitely true, that when he makes this distinction, he makes this division in this verse, that there are people in the world who do not believe in the Lord Jesus, and they have been forgiven. And also there are people who are in Christ Jesus, who have been saved, who are children of God, and they also have been forgiven. This verse is just one of many examples that I can refer to that explains the reality that forgiveness is something that God executed on our behalf, that he died for the sins of the world. When he said it was finished, it was finished right then and right there, that he did this on his own initiative. And he didn't ask anybody's permission for this. He did not ask you if you wanted to be forgiven. He just simply forgave you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, it is written, namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them. That's what he did. That's what he already accomplished. This is an accomplished fact. And so we then have to deal with the question of if the entire world has been saved, and if our God does not hold anyone's sins against them anymore, why is it that everyone is not saved? Well, the reason why everyone is not saved is because forgiveness is not salvation. And this is a very important distinction to understand, a very important distinction to make. And I want you to know that this is a very divisive statement that I am making in the body of Christ. This is a very divisive statement for me to say that forgiveness is not salvation, but forgiveness is what makes salvation possible. The whole world has been forgiven because of what Jesus did, but the whole world is not saved because that is not salvation. It's a big deal for me to say this, and I want you to see the distinction very clearly because I don't want any mistake to be made. I want you to understand that what I am saying is not very common in the Christian world. It is different 
People do believe different things, and this is one thing that definitely separates me from others. It is unfortunate. I don't enjoy the division. I don't enjoy the separation. There are things that we do agree on, and we can appreciate those things. But this is one thing that I will not bend on. This is one thing that I will not put aside. I really do believe that when Jesus died for our sins, he died for our sins, and that the sin issue between us and God came to a complete end. Now, when it comes to salvation, we have to deal with the question of what is salvation? Because if we don't understand what salvation is, or if we disagree concerning what salvation is, then we should expect our beliefs concerning forgiveness to be very different. And what I am expressing in this program is that forgiveness is necessary, otherwise you do not have salvation. The complete forgiveness of sins is necessary because without it, you cannot be saved. Now, in order to explain this, I'm going to have to describe this in the context of a problem and a solution. Or another way to look at it is to say that certainly the gospel or the good news of salvation is good news. But what was the bad news? I mean, it's easy to talk about the good news, but without appreciating or understanding the bad news, it can be very difficult to appreciate or understand the good news. This is also very similar to suggesting that Jesus is the answer, but we don't know what the question is. If you don't know what the question is, then to say that Jesus is the answer may certainly be true. However, without understanding the problem or the question that is being answered, or the problem that is being solved, then it's very difficult to truly appreciate the solution. And so that's what I'm going to explain right now in the context of forgiveness and why forgiveness is so important. When it comes to the problem, the problem between man and God was not that we needed to be forgiven. That certainly was part of the problem, but it was not the real problem. The problem between man and God was that we were spiritually dead. And this problem has been solved by restoring to us the life that we had lost. Now, this problem was originally described in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says that, The Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. It was at this time in history, the creation of humanity, it was here when mankind was initially created, that God breathed within him the breath of life and he became alive. He became a living being. Now it can be very difficult to see the precision of what was said here in English, just because it's difficult to translate this. But in the original language that this was written in, in Hebrew, it says the Nishmat Chayim, which is a unique construction of words that refers specifically to the Holy Spirit of God. One way of translating this is to say the breath of lives. The breath of lives being in the plural means that this is the divine life of God, his very spirit that defines all life. It was his spirit that was breathed within humanity and the presence of his spirit within his creation is what made his creation alive. It was the presence of the Holy Spirit of God that made us alive to our God. That's what it says here. And then a few verses later, the Lord gave us a commandment. And this commandment relates to this life that has been given to us. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, it says, The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely. 
But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you will surely die. Now there has been a lot of speculation that has been incorporated into this verse because people have been a little bit uncertain concerning the death that they experienced that was described in Genesis chapter 3. The reason why is because they did eat from that tree. They ate from that tree and they died according to the law. But people have interpreted this differently. They have suggested that the physical death, just as an example, they have suggested that the physical death that was then brought into the world is the fulfillment of this prophecy or of this punishment that God had declared the people would receive in the event that they ate from the wrong tree. In other words, people have suggested that the physical death of Adam and Eve was the result of them eating from the tree and was the fulfillment of what was described here. But I do not see that at all. I do not see that in the scriptures. Instead, I see something very different. What it says here in verse 17, Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, is that in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. The construction that was used in order to describe this in the Hebrew language was mut tamut, which meant that in the very day, not 930 years later, but in the very day, the very moment that they ate from that tree, at that moment in time, they would certainly, absolutely die. But again, Adam lived to be 930 years old. Adam and Eve had some children. They did some gardening. They seemed to be quite active for a couple of dead people. How was it that they died? Well, the way that they died was not a physical death. That was certainly something that was brought into the world. But I don't believe that that was part of the punishment. I believe that that was an act of mercy that our God instituted in order to get us out of here because this was no longer the Garden of Eden. They were no longer able to live eternally in the state that they were in. Things changed quite a bit. And to me, the physical death was an act of mercy. It was not a punishment. People look at that differently. But one way that I can certainly understand it is to look around me and realize that this is not heaven. But aside from that... What I believe this is referring to in Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, is Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. In other words, the death that he is referring to is the absence of life, certainly, but not physical life. The life that he is referring to is the absence of the life of God that was breathed into them to make them a living being, to make them alive. In other words, he's saying that in the day that you eat from the wrong tree, the Holy Spirit that has been given to you will be withdrawn. You will lose the Holy Spirit. You will lose the Spirit of our God. His very life will be taken from you, will depart from within you. And on that day, in that moment, you will die to your God. You will die spiritually because that life made you spiritually alive, made you very distinct from the animals and the plants that were created in this world that are considered to be living things. You were distinct from that. You were created in a unique way such that you could contain the very Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God within you would guide you and lead you in your daily life. So this is the death that I believe Adam and Eve experienced. It was a spiritual death, and the physical death was a secondary reaction or a byproduct More specifically, I believe that it was an act of mercy on behalf of our God in order to ensure that we would not stay here throughout eternity because this is no longer heaven. 
It was a spiritual death that had occurred. So we have two issues that need to be resolved. Not one, but two. The first issue is the sin that has entered into the world. And the second issue is the spiritual death of humanity. I believe that the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus can be understood in two ways. The first way is to understand the historical event, and the second way is to understand the meaning of that event. The historical event of the crucifixion was that Jesus died on a cross, and the meaning behind that death was that he forgave the sins of the entire world. The resurrection can also be understood in two ways. The first way from its historical context that Jesus rose from the dead. But the second way that we need to understand this is that he rose from the dead for a reason, just as he died on the cross for a reason. He rose from the dead so that he could send back to us the Holy Spirit that had been lost in Adam that we can receive as the free gift. And the restoration of this Holy Spirit to us would then be the gift of the life of God. It would be a gift, it has been described. It is the gift of God. The very life of God that was lost in Adam has now been presented to us, been presented to the world, offered to everyone freely. And those who will receive it are those who will be resurrected as Jesus has been resurrected, We will be resurrected right now through the indwelling presence of the life of God. Death is the absence of life. Resurrection is the presence of life in that which otherwise would have been dead. You have been resurrected by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit within you if you have received the free gift of the Holy Spirit. And this gift, the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit is the solution to the problem that was established in the Garden of Eden. That problem was that we sinned and we died. He forgave the sins and he has now restored the life that we have lost. That is the gospel that I believe in. And I understand that there are people who believe in the gospel in different ways. There are different opinions concerning what the gospel is. But this is what I believe about the gospel, that the good news is the solution to the bad news. The bad news was sin and death. The good news is forgiveness and the restoration of life. To me, this is the gospel. Now, if the life of God is restored to you, if you receive the resurrected life of God because of what Jesus has done for you, and he now dwells within you, what could possibly cause the Holy Spirit to depart from a person? Well, according to the law of sin and death, it's sin. When you sin, you die. That's the law of sin and death. And with reference to the spiritual death that had occurred in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve ate from the wrong tree, they died spiritually because they sinned. You also would die spiritually the next time you sinned. But why is it that that will not happen now? Why was it that Adam and Eve died because they ate from the wrong tree? Why was it that they died because of such a simple sin as that, and you will not die regardless of what sin you commit? Why is there a difference? Well, the difference has to do with forgiveness. They were not forgiven. You were. You have been forgiven because of what Jesus did for you. And because of the forgiveness that he has executed on your behalf, there is no sin 
that has been left unforgiven that would cause the Holy Spirit to depart from within you. And that's the point. The reason why you are saved is because you have forgiveness. Because if you didn't have forgiveness, sin is so evil, it is so wicked, it is so horrible that it would cause the Holy Spirit to depart from within you. For the wages of sin is death. So that is why forgiveness is necessary. Because if you do not have the complete forgiveness of sins, if there is any sin that has been left unforgiven, that sin would cause you to lose the Holy Spirit that has been restored to you if you receive it freely as the free gift of God. If you sin and there is no forgiveness for that sin, then the Holy Spirit will depart. So this is why forgiveness is necessary and why I believe that without the complete forgiveness of sins, you cannot be saved. Now, there are many people who do not believe in the forgiveness of sins, and I believe they can be saved. I mean, if a person will acknowledge their depravity, if a person will discover that they have a need for forgiveness, if they discover that their sin has separated them from their God in whatever context, if they realize that outside of his grace and mercy, they would have no means, no way to ever see their God, they would never enter into heaven. If a person acknowledges that, I do believe that the Lord will respond to that and he will grant them eternal life on the basis of his mercy. I believe that he can do that. And if a person still believes that he will hold their sins against them, their future sins, that doesn't mean that they haven't already been forgiven. I believe that they're just simply confused. That's what I believe. And so I believe a person can be saved if they receive the mercy of God, the free gift of the Holy Spirit. I believe a person can be saved even though they don't understand the forgiveness that they already have. However, this is the problem, and that is that I believe a person will live in total absolute bondage throughout the rest of their life until they go to heaven and be with their God. Because unless you understand the complete forgiveness that you have, there is no way to walk in the new life that you now have in Christ Jesus. So there probably will not be much of a difference between you and someone who does not believe in Jesus in terms of how you really live your life. There probably won't be that much of a difference in terms of the amount of sin that you express. You may express different sins, but you will still be just as unrighteous as anyone else because you're going to live in the condemnation that you believe your God has for you. I don't think that there will be any difference between you and a lost person in terms of the fulfillment of your heart or the transformation that will occur through the indwelling presence of your God just because you cannot be accepted by your God. You cannot live in his acceptance. You cannot live in his love because you will always believe that he is somewhat disgusted with you or ashamed of you. But that doesn't mean that you're not saved. It just means that you've been paralyzed. And that's what I believe a lot of people are facing in their Christian life right now. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 
3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-